Let's pray together as we hop into this passage this morning. Jesus, I want to thank you uh, for all that you have done and are doing in our community. Thank you especially for uh, just uh, a richness of, of ministry opportunities and outreach that we get to be part of as a church. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, direct our efforts, uh, bless those who have been able to serve. As we come this morning uh, to be sort of recalibrated by your word, Lord, we pray that you would speak uh, your words uh, through me, uh, that your spirit would work in our hearts, that this would be for uh, your formation in us. Uh, equip us, Lord, to live and to serve you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Could you turn, Dave, the lights down on me just a little bit, if you don't mind? appreciate that. Well, a few years ago, I was playing outside with my kids uh, at the swing set, and we were looking over at Cooper Park. This is when we lived on Earl. And there was a, a man and a woman walking through the park, and you could tell they were rather agitated. And uh, the guy was getting sort of louder and louder, and eventually they sort of stopped in the park, and he was, he was becoming more and more aggressive. He didn't hit her yet, but he was sort of leaning right in over her. And uh, I ended up sending the kids in, and I thought, well, uh, before this gets physical, I better phone the police. And so I did. And a few minutes later, uh, the police showed up, and she very quickly and professionally de-escalated the situation and got them separated. And I was sure at any moment this guy was going to strike uh, this woman that he was with, uh, but he didn't quite get there, and she was able to sort of intervene in time. And the guy went on his way, and she, she waited with the woman and sort of made sure she was all right. Uh, and I was really, really pleased with how quickly uh, police showed up to deal with that. Um, sometimes, and I don't know about you, but there's moments in our lives where we're watching something and realize someone needs to intervene. Things are getting bad, or someone's agitated, or it's... Uh, violent perhaps is about to sort of break out and there's sort of this rush of growing tension as you realize something's about to give and we better do something something needs to be done and if you've ever been in that situation you know something of what Amos has felt Amos was watching uh, he's from Judah he's looking north to Israel and watching Israel and as he's watching the northern kingdom he's becoming more and more distressed by what he sees Israel has a really good king, a really great king, according to uh, all sorts of worldly standards. He's very successful. He runs a great army. He's been very uh, sort of victorious from a military standpoint. Uh, he's increased the riches of the kingdom. So there's lots of wealth, and you can see the economy is doing well. Uh, he's good with the budget, you might say. And you would think that all of that is signs that life is good and Israel is succeeding. But in fact, the exact opposite has happened that as Jeroboam II, the king of Israel, has uh, been allured by his success and by his wealth, it's actually plunged the nation into idolatry. And as Amos watches, Israel is slowly declining in a moral and spiritual sense. And he sees the injustice being done, and he sees the unrighteousness that's pervading the land, and he sees the idol worship. And uh, he gets more and more agitated that something's got to give. Something needs to be done. And it really shouldn't surprise us, I think, that when a nation forgets God, typically the nation also forgets how to love each other. Uh, that when that vertical relationship with God is marred or broken, it affects sort of the horizontal relationship 
with your neighbors. Of course, Jesus ties those two together, right, in the gospel as we loving God and loving each other are sort of intimately bound together. And Israel, of course, has all sorts of scriptures. They have a whole sort of Deuteronomy and a whole sort of history of law of how to love each other, how to deal with each other, and how to care for the poor, and how to look after the widows and the orphans, and how to not be sort of turned in greedily towards their money, how to care for their, their country as a whole. And Israel's neglected all of that, let alone the fact that they're not worshiping Yahweh, they're worshiping other gods. And of course, in the Bible, any time idolatry rears its head, it's also, in some sense, adultery that Israel has uh, sort of cheated on God by worshiping other idols. And as Amos watches this, he sort of feels this sense of doom. Uh, but he also knows God will not just sort of sit by as this nation pulls itself apart. Uh, that God will see this unfaithfulness, and it won't just sort of go unpunished. God's justice and righteousness will reign. Uh, that's perhaps an encouraging thought for us as well when we live in a world that uh, doesn't seem to love, uh, love God and uh, it gets turned inward with greed, that God will reign. And so the book of Amos uh, describes how this prophet, called by God, uh, travels north from Judah uh, all the way up to Israel with this prophetic message. And his whole goal is to sort of expose Israel's injustices and to urge them back into right relationship with God. Now Israel looked very successful Israel looked very prosperous, uh, but they're spiritually bankrupt. And perhaps it's worth pausing there just for a moment to remember that that, is, that can be very true, not just of nations, but of us individually as well. We can look very good on the outside. Things can look successful. We might even look wealthy, but we can be broken and uh, spiritually or morally bankrupt on the inside. I was thinking of... of uh, Jesus and the blind man uh, read the story told in the Gospels where the blind man calls out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, knowing that Jesus is from the line of kings, that he sees Jesus for who Jesus really is. That the blind man actually has spiritual insight, and that's contrasted with the Pharisees who, of course, physically can see but are spiritually blind. And that's sort of the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. Sometimes what looks good on the outside isn't and what's uh, truly of value uh, is found on the inside, but maybe doesn't look great on the outside. Um, I had an uncle who was very successful when I was a teenager, and he had all sorts of toys. He had, you know, he had four-wheelers in this part. There was a giant garage with multiple parts that was in addition to the other garage. You know, he had like multiple garages upon garages, and in one part of the garage was like all the four-wheelers, and in the next part of the garage was all the snow machines, and in the next part of the garage was all like the summer stuff, multiple water vehicles and things. And, uh, and, then, and then, he, then there was a house, but then he spent his time in the little garage. That's where he sat to contemplate life, I guess. I don't know. Um, he, he had a very fancy property out on the lake, um, but his heart was really broken. He had everything that looked good on the outside, but uh, deep down there was a lot of emptiness. And he passed away a few years ago, and I don't know if he ever came to faith. Uh, and it's sort of a startling reminder for us, again, of, of uh, just because we look successful on the outside doesn't mean um, that we're, we're well inside. And of course, uh, that does not mean that wealth and success equals corruption. That's not always the case. But the temptation will be there 
when, we, uh, when we're doing well to put our trust in something else. And the Bible's really clear about that. When, when Israel's doing well, there'll be the temptation to turn to other gods and to ignore Yahweh. And so Amos is confronting Israel, but in a lot of ways Amos is confronting us because our own sins are sort of brought into the spotlight. And we have to deal with what God says about our own brokenness. And there's a call here in Amos. The call is to worship God. The call is to return to God when we've gone sideways from him, when we've ignored him. The call is to embrace and be motivated to act for God's justice and God's righteousness and God's love in the world. That's God's call for us. And so Amos uh, picks up his belongings and off he heads to Israel to announce God's judgment. Uh, that they've ignored the covenant with God. They've been cheating and stealing and worshiping idols and oppressing others. And uh, you might ask, was there any hope for them? And there's a little glimmer of hope right at the end of the book, as you'll see. But a lot of the book is pretty dire uh, because of where they've, where they've gone. Now, I want to look at just these first two verses this morning. Look again with me at verse 1. This is a little bit of the background. Well, let's look at the text itself. Verse 1 is the words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days, and now here's sort of just so you know kind of when it happened, right? The days when Uzziah was king of Judah, and the days when Jeroboam, the son of Joash, was king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So this is written after the fact. But notice what it tells us about Amos, that he was among the shepherds of Tekoa. Amos has a very sort of strange calling, and that's what I've sort of titled this message whenever I, when I was kind of planning out my sermons for the fall. This is, a, this is a passage about strange calling because Amos is not a professional prophet. Amos is not a pastor. He's not a priest. Uh, he's not uh, a, a sort of learned law person in any sense. Uh, he works with his hands. He's a tradesman. He's a shepherd. Uh, in fact, in, in other places, we, we think he's probably a fig tree farmer. And uh, he's just sort of a regular guy. He's not particularly educated in theology or in God's law. And, uh, and you might think, why this guy? Why Amos? Why does Amos from among the shepherds of Tekoa get to be a prophet? And you know what qualifies Amos to be a prophet? It's not necessarily his credentials. It's his character. What qualifies Amos is that he loves God and wants to follow God. And because of that, he's aware of what's going on around him. And God sees that, and God chooses to use Amos to speak to the culture of his day. Now, that doesn't mean that a person with qualifications can't speak into the culture, of course. But God has a way of calling us sometimes into things we don't expect. I don't think Amos was anticipating leaving the sheep and living, leaving the fig tree orchard, perhaps, to go and be a prophet up in Israel. But sometimes God does that. God can put a deep burden in your heart for something. And that longing in your heart might be something that, that God has put there for you to, to do something with. It might be different from your occupation. It might be actually your vocation. It might be something that you're called into. I like what uh, Friedrich Biekner, he says this about vocation. He says, it's the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet where the thing that you love to do can somehow touch the brokenness of the world and bring redemption for God's glory. And of course, that can be done in all sorts of ways. That can be done through music. 
that the way in which you write songs touch the deep needs of the world in some way. It can be done in your regular day-to-day -day life as you produce goods and services that are then needed for the well-being and functioning of others in society. That also can bring glory to God, right? And on and on. We could talk about all sorts of ways in which that can happen uh, through parenting, uh, through any sort of business or skilled trade, whatever it might be. But here we see again that Amos has been given a, a deep burden by God to speak. And there's a call perhaps in our lives as well to discover that which is, uh, deeply burdens your soul. What's that thing in your life that you long to see made well, uh, that, that you feel God has perhaps called you to speak into? And it's worth exploring that and growing in that. Uh, you may have a career, but you also may have a calling. And will you respond like Amos with obedience when God calls you into something that perhaps is unique, perhaps something you did not expect? I know for me, I didn't expect to be a pastor when I was asked, uh, whatever it was, 10, 11 years ago, to be a pastor. That was not on my radar at the time. But God called me to it. And it was better than to be obedient and to be faithful to God, even if I wasn't quite sure what it meant for me or for my, my wife or for us as we grew into that calling. Um, but our hearts are meant to be, uh, we're meant to have sort of a posture when God calls us into something that we can respond and act. I think of a few passages I wrote down here. Here's Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written within my heart. Folks, we are called, and there's a, there's a desire, meant to be a desire within us to respond to what God calls us to. And sometimes it might seem strange. Romans 6.13 says, Offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. There's this sense in which our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And so we are to lay down our lives for the glory and the goodness of God who calls us. And that might mean sometimes putting aside what we thought was going to happen and let God uh, sort of take the wheel, we might say. This is a really sort of an act of, of practical discipleship where we, we hear God's heart and we respond and do something about what he's called us to. We maybe surrender our will to him even if that's difficult. But that's part of the process of growing in Jesus as we respond to him when he calls us. Billy Graham has this quote where he said, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It's the daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. And growing to be like Jesus is about responding to the voice of the Spirit as he calls us, as he heeds us and, and leads us into new things and to respond. There'll be times where God might call you to something and you just think, I can't do that. I don't want to do that, thank you. God, leave me alone. And in that moment, you have a choice. You can run from your calling, like Job, right? You can say, I'm done with that, or not Job, with Jonah, right? You can run the other direction and say, no. Uh, you, you, could, you could try to test God inappropriately, like Gideon. Um, if you didn't know, Gideon and the fleece incident is Gideon not doing something right. He should not be testing God with the fleece. Uh, it's always bothersome when people go, I'm going to put out a fleece. It's like you kind of miss the point of that passage. The passage is Gideon's kind of an idiot and shouldn't be doing that. Um, so don't be throwing fleeces out. 
metaphorically, that's not the point. You can test God and say, well, God, I don't know. Well, maybe if you do this magic trick for me, then maybe I'll do something. I don't know. Right? And God goes, fine. And then Gideon goes, well, maybe do it the other way around, and then maybe I'll really consider it. And God goes, okay. <laughs> and then Gideon finally gets all the people together, and God goes, that's too many people. Let's whittle it down, right? He's constantly having Gideon uh, come to grips with his own unbelief. We can ignore God like Jonah, or we can test God like Gideon, or we can be obedient to God's call, like Amos is here, and choose uh, obedience. Obedience isn't always easy, but it is always best. And so Amos, the, the sort of shepherd, fig farmer, whatever he might be, becomes a prophet. And notice in verse 2, this is the last thing I want to point out, is that the first words of Amos are not really about Amos. They're not Amos's words. They're God's words. And God's words come like a roaring lion from Zion. Look at 1-2 again. It says, And he said, The Lord roars from Zion. He utters his voice from Jerusalem. This is how we get sort of Lion of Judah language, right? The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel, Carmel's a mountain, withers. There's this sense that God roars from Jerusalem, and that roar reverberates through the land, through the pasture lands, all the way up to sort of the fruitful, wooded Mount Carmel. Carmel's not so tall that it's snow-covered. It's sort of wood and greenery and lush and, and beautiful. And it, it kind of has this sense, as you go from pasture to mountain, that the roar of Yahweh from Jerusalem is all-encompassing. The whole land hears it. And the roar of God comes from Zion. And that's a, that's a sort of scathing judgment on Israel that God's word is not found in Israel's sanctuaries. It's coming from Zion. And all the places where Israel may have gone to try to worship God are sort of being judged uh, that God is not there. Um, there can be things and places in our lives that we think is where God is that aren't. And here God speaks not from Israel's idolatrous sanctuaries, but from Judah. Yahweh is what's first in Amos' heart. When Amos says, I'm going to obey God, and I will go, and I will listen, and I will heed this sort of strange calling, the first word that he listens to is God's word. I was thinking of the song, Be Thou My Vision, which says, Thou and Thou only be first in my heart. And so Yahweh is the focus of Amos' message. He's the one who won't tolerate Israel's false worship or all the social abuses, and he won't tolerate rivals. In Jeroboam II, he's the divine lion who is alone the sovereign king over Israel. And I want to suggest sort of two paths of sort of implications for us this morning, two ways I think this text hits home for us. The first, as I've already mentioned, is a call to courageous obedience. And the second is a call to sincere repentance. So the first, courageous obedience. I think perhaps you might hear a text like this this morning and you feel in your heart that God is calling you to something, or you know God has called you to something in the past, and you're reminded of what that was like and what you went through in that moment. Or perhaps you haven't heard a sense of God's calling. You don't know what on earth I'm talking about. Then I invite you to open yourself to what the Spirit of the Lord would, would say to you and how he would lead you in your life. And will you pay attention to his voice when he does call you? Will you heed his voice and will you pray and seek Jesus 
as you want to follow him and serve him, that you would hear God clearly, that he would show you where to go and what to do, and you would be able to respond to that. Um, All of us as Christians are called into ministry of some kind. Um, We're all called to be equipped to serve and to be a witness to Jesus, all of us, from sort of the youngest, from the kids downstairs to the oldest of us here. And some of you uh, aren't called necessarily into Christian church leadership, sort of vocational ministry in that sense. But perhaps, indeed, I think all of us are called to vocational ministry as Christians wherever we are, uh, that we're called to live and reflect God's glory wherever he's planted us. And you're called to to engage in that uh, with obedience and with love in your family or in your marriage or in your workplace or in school, wherever that might be. But some of you might be called uh, into Christian leadership. There's youth that we have here, young adults that we have here, and some of you might be called uh, by God to consider what it means to become a pastor or a professor or to be called to the mission field somewhere. Uh, Lots of of the young adults out in, in Eston at Regina um, there's a, a lot of them that have been going over to either Turkey or Morocco, uh, a, real, a real call to go and to serve um, in the Muslim world. And we've seen that a lot. A lot have responded. Some are even already on their way coming home uh, for breaks from that. But I want to encourage you. Um, some of you may be called into Christian leadership. And some of you may be called into further education. Some of you may be called to consider going to Bible college. Uh, some of you may be called uh, to be a pastor someday. Um, I was, and yet here I am now in my 30s, and uh, we have a whole younger generation coming up after us. How great it would be to see um, our young people grow in turn to take this role someday. That would be wonderful. Um, But whatever it might be, may you hear that call, and may you choose to be obedient in it, whatever it might be. Uh, to live out God's character. You might think, there's nothing too dramatic for me. I'm not ready to sort of go off to school somewhere or, or change careers or, or go to Turkey or whatever it might be. And you know what? That's okay. But God calls you every day to be faithful to him. He calls you every morning to be obedient. He calls you every day to live. And you uh, can respond to that every morning to choose to live out God's character in the world, to live out his compassion and his goodness and his grace and to point people to Jesus. And uh, if, that's, if you're a parent this morning, perhaps your calling may not seem very dramatic, but it's to love and to guide your kids. That they're the place of discipleship in your life. Um, and there's something beautiful and gentle and sort of low-key that God invites you into uh, to equip them into ministry. So may you respond with obedience when God calls you. And I think the other question is, is one of, of uh, sincere repentance where we can ask are we like Israel sometimes prone to neglect God and where in my own life have I been sort of absorbed with questions of status or questions of wealth or lack thereof questions of um, success or lack thereof sometimes we can be seeking what's good for us and ignore the needs of others or ignore God in the middle of that And so if that's you this morning and you feel you've let yourself grow distant from God, I want to invite you into into repentance today just as God invited Israel into repentance when they'd turned from him. That God calls us back into relationship, back into being people of justice and righteousness 
and love. Um, I, I listened to this week to an interview with uh, Brett McCracken. He's an author. And he was talking about embracing the uncomfortable aspects of Christianity. And uh, he was saying that when we're, we're too comfortable as Christians, when we start to be so accommodating to the culture around us that we turn Christianity into a sort of self-actualization process. But rather, as a Christian, we're to be confronted by our sin, confronted in our habits, and we're challenged to pursue holiness. And the Spirit of God stretches us and pushes us out of our apathy and calls us to grow and to awaken to a new life in God. And so my prayer is that uh, both this morning and as we continue through Amos, that the uncomfortable message of Amos would give us courage uh, to respond with obedience to God and courage to respond with sincere repentance if there's areas in our lives that are also confronted uh, by Amos' message and by the Holy Spirit. And so as we head into this fall season, may that be our prayer, that we would heed God's call and respond, um, that also we would be quick to reflect on our own hearts and ask, is there any wicked way in me? And let the Lord do a work in us. Amen. Let's stand together, and, and we're going to pray to that end uh, before we head out today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for your word. And I thank you, Jesus, that even here when we see a nation that is far from you in Israel in this moment, that you do not give up on them. And Lord, in the same way we declare today that you have not given up on Canada, you have not given up on us, you have not given up on our families, you have not given up on our marriages, you have not given up on us in our workplaces seeking to live for you when it's really hard. You've not given up on us when we head into school. We interact with those around us who may seem far from you or who were once close to you and uh, are now distant. Jesus, in all these ways, we thank you that you are faithful and good to come after us, to call us to yourself and to invite us back into relationship with you. And we just pray today, Lord, that... Um, for those of us that maybe have struggled in the past with following you, that this morning we would be reminded afresh that uh, though obedience is not always easy, it is always good. That we can trust that what you have for us is better than what we can imagine for ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would help us to put down those things that hold us back from following you wholeheartedly. And Lord, with a sense of courage that comes only by your Spirit, you would equip us to live for you, both individually and all the various ways in our lives that we're called to follow you, but also corporately, Lord, as a church, that we would be courageous and obedient in following what you have for us here in Dryden in this season, that we would be a witness to you in this place. Lord, we pray that as we are struck sometimes by the uncomfortable message of your word, that we would not run from you, but that we would draw close to you and that we would be moved out of apathy and out of our own sinfulness into relationship and into grace and into your love. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for each one who's come this morning. I just pray blessing over them. Lord, we pray for just all the events coming up, all the outreach and discipleship and groups and meetings and 
ministries, Lord, that you would go before us and lead and guide our hearts as we seek to grow and live for you and uh, extend your grace and hope in our city. Lord, we just pray a blessing as we head into the week ahead that you would go before us. And Lord, would you work in our hearts that you'd grow us deeper and deeper in love with you. And with the words you taught us, Lord, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before you go, just a reminder again, if you're able to help uh, with tearing down and bringing up some tables, we would just really appreciate that. Uh, we can do it really quick if we're on it. So if you're able to stay and help with that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, before you go, receive this benediction. Children of God who are loved and forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, may you be quick to courageous obedience like Amos. And may you be quick to sincere repentance when the Spirit confronts you. May you go uh, heeding the calling of God in your life to live and to move and to have your being in him alone. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Amen.